How we doing, traders? Welcome and welcome to the SPACs Attack. How we doing, traders? Welcome and welcome to the SPACs Attack, where we talk everything SPACs. And if you like the SPACs, definitely give me a big old thumbs up to start the day. Let's go ahead and get started for today. Today, we got some great things planned. We got our giveaway that we're going to be talking about. We're going to be getting into a great interview. And at the end of the show, we'll be giving out some of the top SPACs to watch out for. So definitely stay tuned towards the end of the show for those top SPACs. But like always, guys, hit the subscribe bell below so that you guys can be the first ones informed for the new video. Let's go ahead and bring on my man, the brains to the show, Chris Ketchy. Hey, what's going on, Mitch? How are we doing on this uh, exciting Wednesday? Hey, it's good to have my Chrisopedia because like always, I sometimes need to get my information from Chris. So definitely, definitely looking out for the headlines today, Chris. How you been doing, man? It's good to see you. I've been doing good. You know, we got two new deal announcements today. Um, So as I said on the show yesterday, you know, I was a little surprised that we didn't get some deal announcements on Merger Monday and also just that one small bio one yesterday, you know, after the large sports betting deal announced on Sunday. So excited to have some uh, new deals to talk about. And then, of course, excited. We've got another exclusive interview on the show today, you know, and that's what we're all about here on SPACs Attack, right, is bringing the information and bringing those interviews to our viewers. Definitely, definitely. One of the things I'm starting to see is that there's definitely some favorites out there that are starting to get some moves. So hopefully in the long run, this goes ahead and affects the whole industry and we can see a new wave up. So that's what we'll be definitely paying attention to. Let's go ahead and let me catch up with the chat. Looks like we got some people jumping in here. You did it. You did it. Mike is on. Yep. No mute button this morning. I got it. I got it going, guys. You guys don't got to hit me with the with the mute. But let's go ahead and let's get into everybody's favorite time of the day where you get your headlines from the man himself, Chrisopedia. All right, guys. Yeah, so lots to get to today before our interview. So up first, we have uh, Nicola NKLA, one of the most well-known former SPACs out there, they announced that they will report quarterly earnings on May 7th. Uh, Shares have fallen, you know, a lot since last year, but this is one that started to pick up on some news and then also reports that there is a large percentage of shares sold short. Um, So keep an eye out on Nikola to see if they have anything to, to add with those quarterly earnings report. We have Ride, R-I-D-E, Lordstown Motors, in the news yesterday. Um, you know, this is from the Business Journal saying that the company missed their first half payments of real estate taxes, uh, $570,958. Um, now a late payment also due, so $628,000. And then also second half payments of another $570,958 going to be due August 6th. Uh, A spokesman for Lordstown told the Business Journal that the situation is being rectified, but but keep an eye out. Again, Ride has been the target of some short reports, and you know this this tax news does not look like a positive for them. So I'm curious to see you know if we see new shorts um, attacking this name and maybe adding to those uh, short thesis um, you know going on. So keep an eye out, R I D E. We have APXT, so AvPoint. We, of course, had TJ on the show, you know, talking about how the company is the bridge from small and medium-sized businesses to Microsoft, right? So Microsoft Cloud. So Microsoft reported earnings last night, and while shares are down today, it's important to note that cloud continues to show strength. Um, So intelligent cloud segment revenue was $15.1 billion in the third quarter, up 23% year over year. Server products and cloud service revenue up 26% year over year. Uh, Microsoft Azure revenue up 50% year over year. Total Microsoft cloud revenue, $17.7 billion, up 33% year over year. And important to note that the CEO said, we are building the cloud for the next decade, expanding our addressable market and innovating across every layer of the tech stack to help our customers be resilient and transform. So Microsoft, again, going all in on cloud and AvPoint 
APXT is a way to play that as the thing behind the thing, connecting these businesses to cloud. So I got to say, APXT continues to look attractive. And I think you could play this one based off of those strong Microsoft uh, you know, numbers for cloud. We have FST. So FST is taking um, the Landry's Restaurant Group public from Tillman Fertitta. So Tillman Fertitta yesterday on CNBC, he said that most of his restaurant chain's brands will soon accept Bitcoin as payment. Um, so he said, we'll have it probably within all of our restaurant brands, 80% to 90% in the next 90 days where you can use Bitcoin or other digital currencies. Um, so again, you know, the Bitcoin trade is here. We saw Camping World shares jump the other day by saying that they were going to accept um, Bitcoin at their locations. And now we've got some restaurants starting to move, you know, into accepting Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies. So a nice headline out here from FST. Um, you know, by, you know, going in on crypto. We have SPCE, so Virgin Galactic, which I do own shares of. News out yesterday, the VMS Eve returned to the skies. The flight tested an upgrade that will further improve the performance of our mothership during its smooth climb to release altitude. And, and important to note that this could be the precursor to the next flight window being announced. This happened before where Virgin Galactic tested out a flight and then a month later, they said that their launch date was opening and shares really took off. So um, I know Virgin Galactic shares have been beaten down. But, you know, if, if you like trading this one, I, I think the trade is alive. And a month from now, you're going to hear about a flight window being opened and, and shares will go up. Of course, if that flight is not successful, we could see them fall post-flight. But I think you have a month window now to, to get in ahead of this, just my own you know, uh, personal opinion, but keep an eye out on SPCE. We have TSIA, which is taking Latch Public. Uh, Luke Schoenfelder, who of course was on our show, you know, talking about the growth strategy uh, as planned. So Q1 bookings up 86 to 88% year over year, um, up nearly two times from the full year 2020 growth rates. Preliminary net revenue expected to be up 135% to 140% year over year. Um, and then highlighting some new offerings from Latch as well. So keep an eye out, TSIA. Um, you know, that's that's the smart lock company that we had that interview with. If you missed it, go, go ahead and find that one on YouTube. And CMIIU, so CM Life Acquisition 2. Uh, was listed as a buy in the ARC Funds daily email last night. So important to note, this is the SPAC that had a pipe that was backed by Illumina, Novartis, and ARC Funds. The CEO of Exact Sciences also joining the team. So the purchase yesterday shows 179,166 shares of CMIIU being added to the ARCG, ARC Genomics ETF. So this is a company that's going to use artificial intelligence and machine learning, a proteomics platform for advanced research and clinical applications, has more than 300 established industry partnerships. So Soma Logic, first mover advantage. And, you know, we, we've been talking about this one from day one that ARC was in on the pipe. And I was curious to see how that would be communicated and if it would be part of the daily email. And here you have it. You know, looks like it was in that daily email last night. So keep an eye out, CMIIU. We have Genie, G-E-N-I, Genius Sports, out with some preliminary numbers um, for the first quarter and then also highlighting their fourth quarter where they saw revenue up 27.6% to $47 million and highlighting, you know, their sports technology and services, sports betting and media segment revenue. Uh, for the full year, revenue up 30.6%, $149.7 million. And then they said their first quarter earnings are going to be reported in a couple weeks where they will give full year 2021 projections. So as I said yesterday, you know, we could get more clarity on what that NFL exclusive deal means in terms of revenue and growth. So keep an eye out, G-E-N-I. We have STPK, the merger was approved with STEM, so it will trade under the new ticker STEM uh, in the next couple days. Our movers yesterday, we had MUDs up 13%, 
Hylion up 11%. And then yesterday's deal, BLUW down 0.4% on the deal announcement. And then turning to our two new deals announced today, we have MRAC. So Enjoy Technology is merging with Marquee Rain Acquisition Corp. $1.2 billion valuation. They expect to see $1 billion in revenue by 2025. So they have exclusive relationships with leading consumer brands, a compelling margin profile, and first mover advantage. Um, So they want to reinvent commerce at home, disrupt the physical retail model by bringing a personalized, convenient retail experience to your home. Um, Obviously, you know, with the pandemic, that sounds like a huge growing market. Their current partners, they have AT&T in the U.S., BT Group in the UK, Rogers Communications in Canada, and Apple in select US cities. Um, those are all market leaders, um, you know, as far as their partners go. Enjoy is led by founder and CEO Ron Johnson. So Ron Johnson was formerly in charge of Apple's retail stores. He also worked for Target, helping transform the retailer um, into, you know, more of the giant and e-commerce focused company it is today. Um, So 100% compound annual growth seen between 2018 and 2020 already. And then going forward, they see uh, compounded annual revenue growth of 78% from 2020 to 2025. Current MRAC shareholders will own 23% of the company after the deal. And then our second deal, we have GLEO. So Shapeways, an end-to-end digital manufacturing company, Think 3D Printing, announced a SPAC deal with Galileo Acquisition. So enterprise value, $410 million. And, you know, very interesting to note that Desktop Metal, a former, you know, SPAC itself, is also investing in the pipe on this SPAC deal. And they are a partner with the company. So Shapeways has 11 technologies for 90 different materials. They're going to serve medical, industrial, automotive, and aerospace segments. Um, with that <laughs> on-demand manufacturing, proprietary purpose-built software. So they've already delivered over 21 million parts to 1 million customers, 160 countries. Customers include Shopify, Etsy, Amazon, Walmart, Google, and eBay. Um, they also work with several smaller companies. So technology like creating smart beehives, off-road device mounts, and a better uh, brewing hyd- hydrometer. Um, so the digital manufacturing market expected to grow from $39 billion in 2020 to $120 billion by 2030. Um, they also mentioned Asia as an attractive area for expansion. So that strategic partnership with Desktop Metal is multi-year deal. Um, you know, as they work together to really expand on the digital manufacturing segment. So industry 4.0, less than 6% of existing manufacturing companies have started that shift to digital. So in 2020, the company had revenue of $32 million. Um, They see revenue growing to $44 million this year, 86 million next year. And then by 2025, a target of $400 million in revenue which would represent less than 1% of the addressable market. Um, so keep an eye out on this one. We've seen these 3D printing plays. Um, lots of them go public. That partnership with Desktop Metal could be huge too. Um, so we'll be diving more into that one um, later on this week. And then we do have a vote tomorrow for VSPR on the 29th for Hydrofacial. And then next week, of course, we have several former SPACs reporting earnings. So that's what I've got, Mitch. I know that was a lot of headlines, those two deals. Um, so what do you what do you think out there? Take a breath, Chris. Man, that was a I lot know, to take I in know, there. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> hey, but like always, you guys got to bring out the pen and pencil when we start the show so that you guys can get this all down. And like always, I got my Chrisopedia. I always reach out to him afterwards if I miss something. So just like you guys can do the same, hit him up on Twitter, guys. Chris Ketchy right there, guys. Let him know. Hey, Chrisopedia, I need some information. Help me out. 
You know, we did yesterday's show, we did some of those clips at 1.5 times speed. In my head, I'm thinking now, if we ever did headlines at one and a half times speed, I don't even know if I could understand myself because I know I'm just like, let's get let's get through this. Let's get to the finish line. So hey, at the end of the day, there's a lot of information to give and a lot of information that you have to look for in different places. And one of the things that we do best, I think, is give you all of that right here in about 10, 15 minutes, and then boom, you got it all. All the information right here on SPAC's Attack. All right, Chris, let's get into the best part of the day where we start unlocking some SPACs. So let's unlock some SPACs. Let's get to our guest of the day, and then we'll go ahead and continue moving on, guys. We're going to be talking about some of the best SPACs after the interview. But like always, we'll definitely recap the interview at the end and talk a little bit about what we thought were the strong points. All right, perfect. So... Guys, another exclusive interview here on SPACs Attack. Joining us on the show, we have Labid Diab, the CEO of ATI Physical, and Joe Jordan, the Chief Financial Officer of ATI Physical. The company is going public with Fortress Value Acquisition Corp. 2, ticker is FAII. Welcome to the show, gentlemen. Morning, Chris and Mitch. How are you guys? We're welcome, doing great. Welcome. Ready, ready to start with the energy, ready to bring it. Or do we call you Mr. Money? I, I, I was going to call you Mitch. Oh, there you go. Yeah, this is Money Mitch over here. And, and then right here, they, they call me Chrysopedia because we're bringing, you know, the SPAC knowledge. So, but you can, you can call us whatever you want. So whatever it works, we're always into the story. So really ready to hear about the story that is ATI today. So let's get into that. Chris, you go ahead and knock out some questions. I'll be back with some of my own. All right, perfect. So guys, you know, Going to try to ask both of you questions here, but go ahead and, you know, uh, jump in, you know, if there's a question you, you want to tackle, but we'll start here first uh, with Labid. So, you know, one of the big questions we ask on SPAC's attack is, you know, why a SPAC deal to go public and was there consideration of a traditional IPO? Yeah, Chris. Um, so, you know, when I got here two years ago, after spending 25 years in companies that are publicly traded, we knew that we had something special and then we, you know, we were going to take it public uh, under the traditional IPO route. And then uh, this thing called COVID hit and uh, really just uh, upended the industry and, and our company and, and all healthcare services. And as we started rebounding uh, from, from the impact of COVID, um, we had a wonderful opportunity uh, to align with a partner that's known us for a long time. And that's Fortress. You know, Fortress has been a partner of ours um, and a supporter for over 10 years. And so we saw the opportunity of a fantastic partner and the speed to be able to get to the markets and the ability to be able to share forecasts and talk with investors in a bit more detail than we traditionally do. And so we just thought this was a, a great opportunity with a great partner, right place, right time, and, and we took advantage of it. Perfect. And Joe, you know, I, I see in the presentation, we, we have a slide that shows, you know, the key investment thesis here, but just give us a little bit of the background. So ATI is the largest single branded outpatient physical therapy provider in the U.S. But, you know, give us the, the brief uh, synopsis here of what ATI is all about and why investors should be excited. Yeah, absolutely, Chris. I mean, to your point, largest single branded physical therapy company in the country. And, and we grew over time. We grew through acquisitions and we grew through opening de novo clinics. Um, and, you know, there's a lot of uh, positive things about ATI and about the physical therapy industry in general. It's a low cost provider, a low cost modality compared to uh, other treatment options. You know, when you think about MRIs and ultrasounds and, and surgeries, which oftentimes are unnecessary um, the opioid pandemic that we have going on in our country. Physical therapy can help avoid all of that <clears throat> and do it at a lower cost. So it's fantastic for patients. It takes cost out of the system and, uh, and you know, helps avoid some of those unnecessary procedures. And, and right, of, of course, curbing the opioid addiction is, is a fantastic outcome as well. Um, for us as a company, one of the things that, that provides an advantage to ATI when compared to other providers is our... Um, our ability to grow and do so quickly. We've executed upon that in the past through M&A and through DeNovo's, and there's a lot of growth opportunities for us in the future, right? We've been able to add a lot of density in our markets, grew to about 900 clinics today. 
but we see opportunity to add an additional 900 de novos over the, the 10 years in the future. And there's a lot of opportunities in the M&A market as well, and, and both of which will be really accretive to shareholders as we operate as a public company. So very exciting uh, as we enter the public markets, delever from where we've been operating under private equity ownership and look to grow in the future. And, and Chris, if, if it's okay, I'll, I'll, I'll add in. I think Joe is spot on. I mean, you know, ATI physical therapy is on the right side of healthcare, a much lower cost alternative than those things that Joe mentioned. But also what's unique about us, um, Chris, is, is we have differentiated and predictable outcomes, and that's been validated externally through the Center of Effective Research in Orthopedics. The other thing I'd mention is uh, the way we take care of the customer. I, I've been doing this for 27 years, and I've never been affiliated with a company or an industry that has an NPS that's approaching 80. Uh, that means the consumer is voting yes with the service that they're receiving. The other thing is we have a very special workforce, extremely engaged uh, with, with low turnover, high retention, and so we're proud to be certified as a great place to work. And then lastly, I think you know, Joe, Joe mentioned this, you know, we're proud of, 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 of our history. We've grown through three venues. Number one, our same store clinic growth has been fantastic and something we're very proud of and excited about as we take this journey to be public. Number two is our de novos. We've opened, we've opened 300 you know, over, over the last five years. And then M&A. Um, you know, we, we've done significant M&A between 10 and 16. We acquired over 55 companies. And in 16, when Advent bought us, we really started investing in our infrastructure. And now we're ready for additional M&A opportunities and excited about that. Perfect. And, you know, following up on, you know, the M&A, so I see a map in the presentation, looks like in 25 states now. So, you know, is the goal to really get into every state and how will that be split between, you know, your own new build outs and M&A? Um, you know, Joe, if you want to start with this and then uh, Labid follow up. Yeah, happy to. So uh, the goal ultimately, Chris, is not necessarily to be in every state. We want to create density in the states that we're in, and that's been a goal of ours, and that's why we're in 25 states right now. Right? We've been focused on building out density. Uh, as we look forward to the future, there's there's more states that we want to enter into, and we could do it through either route. We've, we've done it through de novos in the past. We did that in Alabama, for example, um, but M&A is a good route to, to enter into a new state, and so it's it's a, it's a avenue that we will look at at M&A and then likely build de novos to create density in those future markets in the future. I'll pause there. It'll be anything to add. No, I think that's spot on, Chris. You know, what, what, what I would add is, as, as you just put up that slide, this is a very fragmented industry and reminds me a lot of the industry that I grew up in, which is the pharmacy drugstore industry. Over 38,000 providers, the top 10 players collectively, uh, you know, have about a 14% share. And so we see a tremendous opportunity to consolidate and integrate this industry, which the outpatient physical therapy industry is about a $22 billion industry. And to Joe's point, the intention is not to be in every state. I mean, you know, we, we have brick and mortar in 25 states. We'll continue to add density. We are looking for some geographies where there's good reimbursements, heavy density. But we also, during the pandemic, we launched a telehealth offering, and we call that ATI Connect. And since then, Chris, you know, we've seen over 40,000 patient visits on telehealth. Now, just to be clear, that cannot replace the much needed hands-on physical therapy between a, a, a physical therapist and a patient, but it gives the, uh, the patient the opportunity and it gives us the opportunity to expand our reach and get the ATI name and brand out there in geographies where we don't exist until we can get that patient into a clinic. Perfect. So let's talk one of the big tailwinds that, that's ahead of you guys is an aging population uh, across the U.S. So how does that really play into, um, you know, ATI in terms of growth with, you know, a, a aging population that may be ripe for, you know, this type of physical therapy? Yeah, Chris. Um, uh, so, so a couple of things. First of all, when we look at the segment and the type of consumer that we see at ATI Physical Therapy, I'd, I'd, I'd identify them as, you know, three segments. You have the athletes, and that could be, you know, young kids all the way up to collegiate and possibly professional athletes. And then you have the weekend warriors, like my buddy here, Joe, who is an avid golfer and uh, sees our therapist because of, of, of the frequency of his golf game. And by the way, he's a heck, heck of a golfer. I mean, then to your point, the, the, the aging and the senior population. So all three of those are extremely uh, important. And our goal here is to continue educating the consumer on how the utilization of physical therapy first, because we're on the right side of healthcare, is a much better lower cost alternative 
than expensive MRIs, CAT scans, surgeries, hospital stays, and, and uh, very addictive opioids. So um, uh, the, those three segments are important. And obviously, the, the senior segment is, is an ever-growing one. We all know the stats there, and, and we're excited about the offer and the services that we provide our seniors. Yeah. And Chris, I mean, the only other two things I might add to that is, you know, obviously the senior population is growing, as you and Labib said, but it's also becoming more active, I think, than it historically was. And I, you know, I think about, uh, you know, my dad's in his mid seventies, he's out biking and running and swimming and he's in physical therapy often. And, you know, he's not alone in that. It's, it's definitely becoming a more active population. So certainly a, a positive tailwind. Um, the other thing that, you know, it's probably worth talking about and you flashed up the slide momentarily is, there's outpatient PT and then there's broader MSK spend and there's inpatient PT as well. And I think there's also opportunity to take from those two buckets and move to outpatient PT because outpatient PT is one conveniently located when compared to inpatient. So uh, going to a hospital system versus going to your neighborhood PT and ATI has conveniently located locations, right? That's how we go about our de novo process, making sure that we provide convenience to the customers. And then early on, we talked about that broader MSK spend, meaning surgeries and opioids. So there's an ability to shift from that bucket uh, with education to customers to PT. You know, it's, it's about educating the customers, making sure that they understand they can avoid a surgery, avoid opioid use, come to PT and get better. Um, you know, and, and that's, that's a benefit to everybody, to the payers, to us, to patients. Perfect. And, you know, I, I want to stick with you, Joe, um, you know, on the, the finance side of things. So, being a publicly traded company now, you know, it's going to be important to, you know, grow, you know, location, same store sales, but then also we have, you know, the, the payers. So we have, you know, national payers, state, um, you know, uh, health companies. So why is it important? You know, uh, there's a slide that shows some of those deals that have been signed on a national and state level, but how does ATI kind of approach, you know, adding in some of these payers to the system? Yeah, from a, from a payer perspective, I'll talk a little bit and then I'll toss it over to Labib to talk about some of the other innovative things that we're doing. But from a payer perspective, we're largely in network. The, the vast majority, 99% plus of our, of our contracts or of our patients are in network with us. So in the 25 states that we operate within. So it, it is important for us to be in network. It's important for us to have that density that I talked about earlier because we have great coverage for the payers. Um, we have great coverage for employers to the extent that we contract directly with them. And as we continue to grow in the future, we'll look to make sure that we're continuing to expand our relationships with payers across the various states that we may enter into. Um, but there's, there's certainly some other avenues that we're approaching as it relates to contracting out, um, not only with payers, but with, with employers directly. And, and I'll pause and <clears throat> let Labib talk about that a bit. Yeah, thanks, Joe. And, and, and Chris, uh, you know, uh, so, some of the things that get us excited and we have lots of conviction around is 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 the differentiated and predictable outcomes that i that i talked about and the great service that re, that we provide that is not only important for a patient and the referring physician but it's becoming more and more important for the payer who's actually funding uh the uh the the, the bill for for people to come to any healthcare service and so you know when when we look at our outcomes and, and the fact that they're differentiated we have the ability uh, through data, through research, to go to payers and look and ask for a differentiated rate. Um, a, a little bit deeper about us, you know, we have a, an MRI uh, that is used, and, and uh, sorry, an EMR that is used across our entire platform. It is built by us as proprietary. It's been collecting data for several years. We have over two and a half million unique patient cases. And so when you walk into one of our clinics, whether in the west, in the south, in the east, in the north, uh, north northeast, you're going to get a very robust treatment model and, it, and, and with a very predictable outcome. And you see here on the slide that you're showing in the red that our outcomes uh, are, are surpassing that of the industries. And that's something that we're, we're very, very proud of. So it earns us the right to go to payers, both commercial and government, and ask for differentiated uh, uh, reimbursements. The other thing that we're doing is we're going directly to employers that are self-insured and educating them on the use of physical therapy and the fact that it's a much lower cost modality and have entered into numerous uh, direct-to-employer uh, contracts uh, and, and have shown significant savings. It looks like you've done your homework in the deck. There's a, a case study where we show you an employer in the Midwest, 20,000 employees. They were spending $33.5 million a year on MSK-related issues for their 20,000 employees. They sent those employees to physical therapy at ATI. 
and in one year, our outcomes was able, were able to save this organization $9.4 million. So very proud of that and very proud of the uh, differentiated and predictable outcomes that we have uh, in, the, uh, in the industry. Perfect. And then, you know, I, I see a slide for three pillars of growth. So it looks like, you know, number two, the, the new locations and number three M&A, we kind of touched on already. So maybe if you guys want to hit on uh, number one, optimize channels to drive uh, same clinic growth, um, you know, the, the scale and the new channels. So how can this be accomplished, you know, after completing the SPAC merger? Yeah, look, I, I think all three of these buckets are very, very important to us. But bucket number one, the same store clinic growth is what earns us the right to go do everything else. And that's something that our organization completely understands and is, is I would say, integrated vertically and horizontally at all levels of the organization, whether you're in the support center, um, in our office here or out in the field, down to our, our clinicians. And so very proud of our ability uh, to go to the market uh, with a sales team that is out educating physicians not just on referrals, but educating physicians on our differentiated outcomes, on our MPS scores, on the predict predictable outcomes that we have. And then a marketing team that is going out and talking to consumers directly, you know, through digital um, and, and digital search about the differentiators of, of our company. And then lastly, what we just talked about, the direct to employer uh, function. The other thing that we see is, is there's a, an opportunity. I spent 25 years in healthcare and retail. There's an opportunity for us to extend our brand by strategic partnerships with retailers. I think you guys know all retailers, whether it's Walmart, CVS, Walgreens, they're building out these healthcare hubs. And, and, and by that, I mean, they're taking pharmacy and, 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 and bringing in you know, primary care and behavioral health and dentistry and optometry. You know, we see an opportunity for physical therapy to plug in and be a part of those healthcare hubs. And so very excited about conversations that we're having behind the scenes with, with retail partners about expanding physical therapy and continuing to educate the consumer on the fact that it's on the right side of healthcare and a much lower cost alternative than other modalities. Awesome. And then Joe, you know, we have this slide in the presentation, you, you know, talking about revenue and EBITDA. So, you know, 5% compounded annual growth from 2018 to 2022. Obviously we have the disruption uh, of COVID, but um, you know, so estimates for 2021 of 731 million and 903 million in 2022. Um, you know, how, how much of that growth is coming from new stores? How much of it is coming from, from same store growth? And is any M&A priced into these current projections? Yeah, so I'll talk a little bit about that, Chris. So, um, and I'll get to your specific questions. I mean, maybe, maybe I'll talk a little bit about the history here. Over the last couple of years, as, as uh, a private equity-owned company, relatively high, highly levered, you know, we were focusing on getting ready to become a public company. And that meant uh, making a lot of investments in our back office and in our infrastructure to make sure that we're prepared to be a public company. And over that same time, utilizing the cash flows that the business generated to invest in, in that, right, in the infrastructure and all the investments that I talked about, but at the same time, investing in our de novos. All of our de novos ended up being self-funded. As we're, we're now at the stage that we're at today and we look forward to moving into the public market, we have those investments in our infrastructure behind us and we're ready to continue to grow um, through de novos. And those de novos will continue to be self-funded. As, as, as I talk about the projections, Chris, that you just noted and, and thinking about 2021 and 2022, the way that we've built our models out is about three and a half percent same store growth, which is uh, pretty in line with our history and the remaining growth coming from additional de novos that we'll add to our platform. And those de novos have had very consistent, very predictable growth patterns over time. Since 2016, we've opened 300 de novos, and those de novos have had very steady ramp curves. So as we build our, our models into the future, we have demonstrated historical success in de novos and very consistent growth. And so we feel comfortable about the growth that we'll get from those de novos in the future but we haven't built M&A into those models yet. And I think there's a lot of opportunity for M&A. As we come out of the DSPAC process, we will delever significantly. You know, you guys probably saw on the deck, we get down to a leverage ratio of about 3.1 times in, in 2021 and down to 2.1 times in 2022 as we put this pandemic behind us, which I know we're all looking forward to. And being able to have that low leverage and that type of financial flexibility gives us a lot of opportunities to go and execute on M&A. So it's not built into our models, but I do think it's, it's a very real opportunity for us 
as we look forward in the future. And it's important for us to find the right one. But whether it's de novos, whether it's M&A, I think the broader message for shareholders is both on both uh, ends of the spectrum, de novo or M&A, uh, very accretive to the overall platform of ATI. Perfect. And, you know, so Labid, we, we've been talking SPACs for a long time. We've been doing the show um, dating back to November. And obviously SPACs are starting to see, you know, more pressure on uh, some of the ways that the, the sponsors, um, you know, are, are handled, the, the founder shares, the warrants. So there's this exciting slide from your presentation that shows the, the warrants and the vesting um, from the sponsors. So uh, I, I want you to kind of walk us through. So why was it important, um, you know, for, for you and the, the SPAC company to, you know, base some of the performance um, on, the, on the share price going forward? You know, Chris, to me, that there's one word that describes what, why, why we did that, and it's commitment. I mean, this is, this is a triangulated commitment and dedicated team, both from the company and the management team, from Fortress, who's been a partner of ours for over 10 years, and from Advent, you know, our private equity owner who, who's been vested and invested in since 2016. And so we all believe in, in, our, in our model. We all believe ATI Physical Therapy is a differentiator in the industry, in the marketplace. Again, we're on the right side of healthcare. We have differentiated outcomes that are predictable. We have fantastic MPS scores. We have a great workforce, that, and we've been certified as a great place to work. And then our track record of same-store growth, de novos, and M&A just, just led us all to say we are all committed and dedicated to taking this company public and not taking a penny out until we earn the right to do so and perform as an organization. You know, Joe and I believe firmly um, in, in our organization that we are a paper performance culture. And so we're, we're excited about performing and executing as a publicly traded company uh, before we earn and, and garner any benefits. Yeah, and, and Chris, I think one, you know, one thing that's important to note, I mean, you, met, you mentioned or asked to Labid why it was important for us to have the, that earnout structure. From, a, from an advent, from a management perspective, obviously we believe in the growth of the company. But I think it's important to note that Fortress actually proposed that structure as it relates to their founder shares. And, and that demonstrates their belief in the growth of the company. I, I think they, they, they don't believe that that's an at-risk for them, right? They, they think that the stock is going to perform well. And they look at the growth trajectory that ATI's had historically, the avenues we have in front of us, the delevered environment. And they also, uh, frankly, look at our public comp and USPH and, and the multiple that they're trading at. Uh, relative to the multiple that we're entering, entering the marketplace at, it's a pretty significant discount. So they, they you know, they believe we believe over time um, we'll trade up to that to that level. Awesome. Well, thank you guys for that insight. I'm going to pass it over to to Mitch here with some questions. All right, guys. So what I want to get into is I always like to pay attention and and bring up the valuation here. So I'm going to go ahead and pull up the slide here. Um, so we're, we're looking at here. Uh, this is going to be the public company benchmarking. And so one of the numbers that really sticks out to me is this 14th EBITDA for uh, this is 14th EBITDA outlook for 2022. Um, can you explain to me how you guys really compare to your competitors? And one of the things I noticed is clearly stands out 14 uh, compared to the closest kind of physical therapy uh, company here at 21.6. Can you explain to me how do you guys have that lower and how is the growth really looking forward towards uh, 2019 to 2022. I'm seeing a 4.8% growth there versus uh, the comparable company at 0.3%. So how is that happening here? Well, maybe um, I'll start and then Joe, Joe will chime in. So, so let me start by saying we have a deep respect for our publicly traded competitor, USPH. Um, but we also think that we have uh, proven um, that we have a very differentiated model and our results are, are very different as you just called out. But we also feel like we have to earn the right to, to trade at the multiple that USPH and some of these other healthcare services companies are trading at. And so it was important for us uh, to, to, to come out with a very attractive multiple uh, to, to, the, uh, to, to, to the world and to, to the investment uh, uh, partners and then earn the right. And we have no doubt and have extreme conviction that we will absolutely get to the USPH multiple and, uh, and, and surpass it. Um, Joe, I, I know you love to talk about this topic. No, that's a, that's a good summary on the multiple. And then from a growth perspective, you know, one one of the things that I, I talked about a little bit, Mitch, throughout the the interview here is our our growth trajectory through de novos. You know, we we 
have historically opened a number of de novos and we look to in the future continue to do that. We have 90 new clinics planned for 2021. And so as we open more clinics, that drives a higher growth vehicle and, and then operating those clinics very efficiently. And so as a result, you, know, you see the comparisons to USPH and the projected outperformance when compared to, to that asset. Um, so I, you know, to Labid's point, I do think over time, the market will recognize that and, uh, and our multiple will trade up. And, and that's why Fortress, Advent, the management team is so excited about API uh, entering the public marketplace. All right, so my next question would be, of course, how can outpatient physical therapy really reduce the healthcare cost for the, the average person that's going to physical therapy? Yeah, you know, uh, as I mentioned earlier, uh, Mitch, uh, we are on the right side of healthcare. I mean, when you look at the expense of an MRI or a CAT scan or a surgery or um, even very expensive addictive opioids, they're much higher cost than, than the services that we offer. Um, and I'll talk in generalities. I mean, the average physical therapy visit is, is probably around $100 for simple math. If, if any of you have ever been in the emergency room or have had any type of hospitalization and have looked at those uh, bills and, and, and uh, invoices, you know that it's, uh, it's extremely expensive. That's number one. Number two is when you utilize physical therapy, um, there's a lot of research and evidence that says we can get you better um, and, and, and get you back to health versus uh, very obstructive and, and, and intrusive um, uh, modalities. And so to, to have the path of least resistance at a much lower cost is extremely important. And ATI physical therapy is very focused on bending the cost in the healthcare ecosystem. Uh, we feel like we have the tools, the team, and the processes to, to do that and continue to do that. All right, so the next question I have is, I'm, I'm always about the story. And, and one of the things that I've gone through, and I'm, I'm sure a, a lot of people have gone through, is I myself has had some physical therapy done. I used to play a little baseball, had a little sport injury and, and to my rotator cuff, so I had, had to go get some. Um, but really, it's a one-on-one -on -one, uh, kind of uh, business at that moment with that physical therapist. And one of the things that I noticed, and you guys mentioned it on your website, was that 99.5% of your patients actually recommended you to family and friends. And I think that's very important in this business where you have that one-on-one -on -one with the physical therapist. And I think it's so important to have that recommendation. So can you explain to us how this, this is really coming apart? Sure. Look, I, I think the, the, the interaction between a patient and a physical therapist is a very special one. And so there is a relationship there. But I think equally important, Mitch, is the outcomes. I, I keep saying that over and over because, look, whether you're an athlete, in your case, a baseball player, whether you're a weekend warrior that's a runner and, and trying to stay fit or you're a senior citizen, you want to get back to your normal life. You want to get back to predictable outcomes. You want to get back to your function and mobility. So relationships are important but it's also really important the type of therapy that you're getting, where you're getting it. At ATI Physical Therapy, we're giving you those predictable and differentiated outcomes, and that's been validated. Um, again, our, our clinicians have a standard EMR that's been collecting data for several years and has over two and a half million unique patient cases. And so when you come into our clinic for, for a rotator cuff, for an ACL, an MCL, a back injury, there is no doubt how we're gonna treat it and the expectations that we have for you and for us in terms of the outcomes and your function and mobility. Awesome, so before we let you guys go, we're gonna try to get to a couple questions from the chat. That's something we like to do you, you know, on the show here. So we have a question here um, from Brian Blockchain. Do they plan to grow the home health segment? So if you guys want to hit on that real quick here. Um, so so uh, we do have a, a home health business. It's, uh, it, it's very geographic um, and condensed. It's in the Chicagoland area. Um, we continue to, to uh, evaluate, you know, the growth levers for our company. And as Joe and I have, have alluded to earlier, you know, this is a $22 billion industry. The top 10 players, which include us, USPH, Select, and the PE back players collectively comprise a 14% share. So we are very excited about our ability to consolidate and integrate and grow this industry. So um, you know, I'm, I'm not evading your question. We continue to evaluate, but there's so much upside and share 
as you look at our growth levers between de novo and M&A, just to continue to grow our market share in the outpatient space. Perfect. It looks like the rest of the questions from the chat we got to during the interview. Um, so I think that's going to wrap it, guys. So, you, you know, I want to thank you both. Again, uh, we have Labid Diab, the CEO of ATI Physical, and Joe Jordan, the Chief Financial Officer of ATI Physical. The company is going public with Fortress Value Acquisition Corp. 2. That ticker is FAII. So thank you both gentlemen for joining us on the show today. Thanks, Thanks guys. guys. Good to see you. Take care. Bye-bye. Thank Definitely. you. Uh, I'll reach out to you, Joe, when we have the golf tournament. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> that sounds good. Take care. All right, guys. Hey, well, you guys here heard it first, like we always like to do on the SPACs attack, get to the information, let you guys know what we think is the strong points, get to those questions that we really feel are the important parts, uh, like we're either talking revenue or we're talking about what this company really has that competitive advantage here. So, Chris, what, what did you get? Yeah, you know, I, I like the story. I like the, uh, you know, growth from opening new stores, the the willingness to keep doing, you know, mergers and acquisitions to grow out the business and, and also kind of, you know, some of those new areas. So that the tele business, the, the home health, which he just talked about, you know, one of the things that really stood out for me, Mitch, as we talked these SPAC deals is the the vesting interest. So the the sponsors of this SPAC, they're not going to be able to vest some of their shares until this hits $12 a share, $14 a share, or $16 a share. And you heard him say, you know, the, the sponsors wanted to put this in place. So there's a lot of incentive for this company to, to perform well and for the share price to go higher. And Mitch, you touched on it during your questions about the valuation to peers, right? It's it's trading below the valuation of other uh, players in the industry. So, you know, you know that gets me excited when you see the valuation and then also when you see the the sponsors, you know, with the incentive to get the share price higher. Yeah, I'm trying to pull up the the slide right here that I want to show you guys, but let me, there it is. I got it now. All right. So one of the slides that I wanted to pull up and I wasn't able to get to this in the interview, but is how physical therapy has been viewed for a long time as kind of more of a local regional operation. And, and you know, m my mother actually at one point owned a clinic that did physical therapy. So I kind of had seen that before. It was kind of more of a local regional thing. And now you're starting to see these companies really step up in the overall United States. And I think they have a big market to get to. Um, one of the biggest things that I think they're going to have an advantage over, let's say, a local or regional operator is, of course, their technology. And, and, and they talked about it, um, kind of the data points that they have, um, that ER, um, that EMT thing. Let me let me pull it up, their technology right here, that slide. There it is. So the proprietary EMR, um, that's that's what's really separating themselves from, let's say, a local or regional. You know, I'm, I'm pretty sure they don't have this at your local physical therapist. Exactly. And yes. so that's one of the main things that I think separates them that you got to keep an eye out for, because that regional to to the actual market that's available. I think after you start seeing, you know, you, you're, you're going to hear your horror stories from those local and regional uh, kind of offices. And also you'll hear that, you know, it's just not as highly promoted. And one of the things that really stood out to me was that 99% are recommending it. It's a word of mouth kind of business. And if you get that word of mouth out, I think it can definitely take off. And as you guys can see, compared to the industry, they're definitely taking off either if it was on back, shoulder, knee, whichever way you want to look at it, you can see these bars, they stand out. Yeah, no, excellent points, Mitch. You know, technology could be key here. And I, I like that story, the national versus the regional, um, you know, and the 99% recommendation. And you also heard Labid say their NPS score is is in the 80s. I mean, when, when I worked in the restaurant business, NPS was one of our metrics that we looked at every single day, right? What percent of people, you, you know, rate you five stars or four stars, you know, versus three, two, and one. So that's a pretty high NPS score out there. So very interesting company to watch here. Uh, you know, guys, if you got great value from this interview, we want to keep bringing you, you know, these exclusive interviews, please smash the like, please share the video. 
you know, we, we do this for you guys and, and we also encourage you to hit like and subscribe and, and share, right? So we can have more viewers to get this information because that's what we want, right? We want everyone to get this information, um, you know, so you can make investment decisions, um, you know, so I, I think that that'll wrap the recap unless if you got anything else to add here, Mitch. Just one more thing, guys. If you guys want to know a little bit more about this company, I just put in the link here to their website and their investors. Um, you can find the investor presentation there, the investor call and also press releases there from the company. Definitely check it out, guys, and do your own deep dive. All right, let's go ahead and let's get into now our let's get into the Gleam giveaway here. We want to get into our giveaway now, guys, and definitely, definitely, we've had over 680 entries on this giveaway, so don't miss out, guys. If you guys want to be a part of the giveaway and you've already joined, figure out a way to get some more entries because if you do them all, you'll be able to get the extra entries and get those 10 extra entries. Um, I'm going to go ahead and put it up here on the screen, guys. Definitely, definitely, guys, this is for our 100 in Benzinga swag. Six ways to enter. Subscribe to Benzinga Clips. Follow Benzinga on Twitter. Secret code, secret code. What's the secret code? What do we got this weekend, Chris? Guys, we got the Kentucky Derby coming up this weekend. The you know, derby, so our keyword is the word Derby, D-E-R-B-Y, as in Kentucky Derby. That'll get you some extra entries that you only get from watching this show. So you can't just find that out there. So you probably want to keep it quiet, though. Don't share it or you're going to lose out on your percent chance of winning here. Definitely, definitely, guys. Stick with us as we keep building. Only two days left in the competition, so keep going, guys. The giveaway, the giveaway here, and it's not only one prize, guys, that we're going to give away. First first place is going to be that $100 in swag. Second, third, and fourth, we'll go ahead and give that $25 prize so that at least you're getting some giveaway action to the swag. And, of course, like always, guys, stick with Benzinga. As we keep going, we're going to have some great interviews next week. we got some interviews for the rest of the week. And then I want to get into maybe some of the SPACs that we, we talked about a little bit earlier that we're going to get into. Some of the top SPACs out there right now. So what I'll do is I'll pull up my watch list and I'm going to go ahead and let Chris speak about some of the top ones that he's looking at. Yeah, you know, so so top SPACs, one of the areas I tend to go, and we've talked about it on the show a lot, is sports betting, right? Because when you look at sports betting, a, a lot of the major players in the market went public or are going public via SPAC. So we have DraftKings, DKNG, the, the market leader, right? We have RSI, Rush Street Interactive, which is a, a smaller player that I think, you know, is one worth watching. They're growing their iGaming business. And then they also have entry into New York, which I think could uh, be a huge catalyst for them if New York limits the number of players in the state. We have GENI, Genius Brands. Um, I mentioned their earnings during headlines today. You know, strong growth. And then also that key exclusive NFL partnership. And then you also have GNOG, Golden Nugget Online to watch. And then SEAH, which was the big deal announced over the weekend. Um, you know, bringing Betway um, to the U.S. market. So I think that's one worth watching too. Um, so sports betting is a huge area to watch. And those are some of the top SPACs, um, you know, I think out there right now. And the other one I would throw out that I'm watching and, you know, uh, we've been watching from the deal announcement, Mitch, is MUDS, MUDS, bringing tops public. This is a, you know, well-known card company that's growing its digital business and also a big NFT player and shares were up big yesterday. They're up again today. Um, so I'm really liking the mud story here. I'm seeing $17 today. Um, this is one we talked about, you know, when the deal was announced and I believe it was trading, you know, closer to $11. Um, so hopefully some of you guys out there were able to get in at the 11 or 12 range. And, and now you're seeing a, a strong return. And I think there's more growth ahead. What are you seeing out there, Mitch? Yeah, guys. Um, you know, one of the things I'd say is that that muds, that muds. I mean, I, 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 I didn't get the stock, but I got the return, baby. <laughs> I got the return on the NFT and that's all that matters. I will definitely, definitely give the thumbs up for that stock, regardless if I'm in it or not. Now I'm winning. And, and, and I'll tell you one thing, guys, once you get that, at least for me, once I got that first major return in NFT, 
I'm hooked. It's addictive. I'm hooked. It's addictive. Yeah. I can't say it. Can't say it enough, guys. I'm hooked. They got me. They got me. They got me in the NFT game, and I'm probably staying by this, and I'm going to have some fun. I'm going to make some returns. I'm going to also collect. And then one of the things is, like always, new generation. We, we, we want something that nobody else has. And so if I can get these limited edition cards that nobody else has, I'm going to definitely keep an eye out them. And to me, Tops, Tops is doing it right here. Um, I, I'm loving Tops, and I'm going to keep following it. Can't wait for the football cards to come out. Um, I'm sure they're going to probably maybe do something for the NBA playoffs or something like that, but I'm going to be paying attention to see what else or what other NFTs come out. And we got to do some opening of some packs on here or something. Yeah, guys, we got more packs to open. So we'll have to figure out a good day to do that, to open some packs and maybe walk you guys through the, the sale process, the burning process. There's exciting things out there. And as Mitch said, he's hooked. Pretty sure I'm hooked. Uh, I've been in NBA Top Shot for a couple months. And of course, NBA Top Shot, you know, not publicly traded. You have no way to really invest in that and the growth. But then Tops comes along. They said that they're going to do MLB NFTs. And now you have, you know, a way to invest in the growth of NFTs and digital sports cards. And to me, that's key here because it's attracting several different markets. You know, people who collected cards as kids, people who are into NFTs now, People who, you know, buy and sell cards for the return, right? Which when we had Gary V on, you know, the investment, the the sale process, you know. So, um, and wh- what's the key here? Tops is getting a cut on the, pr- the sale of the packs. And then they're also getting a cut on each transaction. So as Mitch sells a card, as I sell a card... Tops gets a percentage of that, right? I didn't even look. Oh, there it is. I was gonna say I didn't even <laughs> I didn't even look at my fees. I just hit I just hit sell, but I, I knew I knew that they were, I knew that they were getting part of my money, but I was like, whatever, I'm still making a profit. So yeah, hey, tops guys. tops is winning. Guys, I, I I've made over fifteen hundred percent gain already guys and and like chris mentioned that that that's what i wanted to really point out here it wasn't necessarily that this card here but more along that collection fee that collection fee where is it going chris yeah that goes to tops i mean it goes it, it's to in tops, their pocket man. it goes to tops guys this is this is what we call or, or or someone in the in the chat put the endless royalty deal exactly that's spot on spot on Yep, it's going to be interesting. Six percent is not—it's not a little bit, man. Like, let, let's say if I if I sold this one for let's say a uh, hundred wax, which is not dollars, of course, guys. This is wax, but if, if that was true, that would get me about let's say um, ninety wax in return. So ten of my wax would be going towards the fees, guys. So that that's a pretty good substantial amount of it. There you go, you guys. Well, Mitch you know? wasn't there. There was a Mike Trout card that sold for seventy four thousand dollars. I think a Topps yeah. NFT. So yeah. seventy four thousand three hundred sixty four dollars times six percent. That's almost forty five hundred dollars. So that's that's pretty insane. And that's just from you know one card. So th- this is a huge revenue stream for them. And remember, this isn't their big business. This is this is on top. So when they did those projections in their presentation, they said, we're going to launch NFTs, but they hadn't even announced the MLB um, yet. So I think they're going to have to come up with revised projections and, and you're going to see shares spike again, right? When that revenue from tops NFTs is actually priced in to the projections. Yeah, this is what it's all about, guys. I mean, if I if I would say the same thing, blockchain, you know, at the end of the day, I mean, guys, I spent I spent very little amount on these packs and and now looking back on it, I'm like, man, I should have should have brought the boat, should have brought the boat and loaded it. But that's how it is, guys. That's how it is. And then we'll, we'll be paying attention to these. I'm going to be talking a little bit more about maybe a strategy that you guys can use uh, to make some money on NFTs. I'll, I'll be talking about that on Money on Money Mitch. Um, and then also, we'll be doing some openings. I'm thinking we'll do a giveaway also. Um, one of the things that we need to do is we need to pass out that, uh, that Hylon uh, merch, right? Yeah, guys, we still have highly on merch. Um, I, merch? I know a lot of you hit merch? us up. Yeah, we got in. I haven't seen them yet, merch but it sounds crazy. like we have packages of merch to, to give away. So 
for those of you who, you know, commented on the tweet or emailed us, we're going to do a random drawing, um, you know, for the number of merch packs that we have. And we'll be doing that live drawing um, hopefully over the next couple days. So stay tuned for that. So guys, Hylion's got merch to give away from our interview. We got our own giveaway, um, you know, for the the Benzinga swag with that that uh, thing that we already talked about with the keyword right there on the screen for those of you watching live. And, and then also, you know, we'll be doing some, maybe some NFT giveaways in the near future, um, you know, either from Tops or from, you know, elsewhere. So you don't want to miss out. So stay tuned to Sfax Attack, guys. Stay tuned. Stay tuned, guys. We're going to be keep going and keep building here as we keep going on. I will do some notable mentions on the day. I'm seeing Clove up almost 20% already, Chris. Big day. Yeah, Clove is, is still running. You know, this is one where it looks like a lot of people, um, you know, still going after the the short percentage. The, the thing I didn't like was there was so much confusion out there for what percent of shares were actually short because of the, the management held shares. So just be careful with this one. You know, last time it got up over $10, it fell right back down. Um, but it, it is moving. And uh, I saw it over 11 today. So, you know, definitely a, a hot one out there. And then yep. MUDS, MUDS up 9%. So guys, you, you know, MUDS is Not killing that. Not looking back. And, and another one that I almost got this morning, Chris, I wanted to get RSI at 14 and it went up to 1450 before I knew it. <laughs> so I couldn't, I couldn't get into it. So I'll look back to see if I can get another push back down underneath that 1450 close to that 14 is levels where I want to go in on. But definitely you mentioned it. It's one of my top ones because I'm seeing also the ratings start get, getting pushed up. The fundamentals starting to make sense here. And so let's see when the technicals and the timing match that fundamentals. And that's what I'm going to be looking out for for RSI. Up next, guys, we got the Power Hour. Power Hour coming on next, guys. If you guys already know, that's where the hype is. If you guys want to hear Hot Stocks Luke on two bangs, two bangs, you heard me. He's a two-banger type. <laughs> So definitely check out it, check out Hot Stock. It looks Luke. like they haven't started up the show yet, but they will be coming up in the next couple minutes. Uh, real quick before we go, you know, along with the top spacs to buy, we talk EV spacs all the time, electric vehicle stocks. You know, you've heard me talk about CCIV, about Fisker, and I do own shares of both of those. The the area I'm really watching with, you know, Tesla already being so dominant in electric vehicles for, for you know, passengers and consumers is the electric buses, um, you know, because Biden's out there saying we're going to try to get all the buses in the U.S. to electric. I think that can be done over, you know, the next 10 years. And you you heard me say in headlines, he virtually toured the Proterra factory. So ACTC and then also NGA, which Mitch, you know, shouted out the other day. We've seen good movement. That's one that I'm long. And we had the CEO on the show. You know, they're a big player in electric buses already in Canada. I think we're going to start seeing some deal announcements in, in the U.S. from the government, Mitch. What do you think? Um, you think we get some uh, some deals after that factory tour? Don't don't count out a rival, too. And a rival, ARVL. So that's how I would play the EV market right now is maybe take a sidestep from cars and, and look at the buses. Because I think buses is going to be the big story right now. And again, Tesla's dominant with electric vehicles. And that doesn't mean that there can't be competition. But you're you're going to have to work on your pricing, your features, and electric buses. It's not about the price, right? It's about you know how much can you save the, these municipalities, these school districts. Do you have your own charging infrastructure in place? So keep an eye out. So uh, just to mention here, guys, and, and and I know that a lot of people are going to go crazy and be like, "All oh, is mentioned." Guys, but it's not only the buses that look out for. I'm looking out for what, and I keep saying it, keep saying it, autonomous, autonomous, autonomous. How do we get the technology? Today you're seeing another big mover coming from the Wall Street bets people. MVS? MVS? Where's the Reddit crowd? <laughs> do you got Mitch, some MVS fans here? You know what the sad part is, Mitch? I owned shares of MVIS years ago. 
Ah, uh, you see, you see, you see. And, but and hey, they're gone. What, what did they come out have with? A, I don't have them anymore. So, well, you know, they, they got the, the big key for MVIS, why I invested in it years ago, was they had patents, right? So they're a player in LIDAR. They're a player in, you know, autonomous. They're a player in projection. So projecting items from your phone onto a wall, onto a screen, you know, that they had deals with like Sony and others back then to really boom in projections. But now that LIDAR news out today. So keep an eye out. But again, yeah, that is a fast mover, um, you know, so be careful with this one. But yeah, I, I definitely uh, did not hold on to my shares. So. One of the things to know, guys, on that mover, and I just want to warn people out there, this could very much be a buy the rumor, sell the news kind of thing. Why? Because right now you had that rumor already out about the LIDAR. And then one thing to not forget, guys, is that their earnings is one day from now on Thursday, April 29th, after the close. That could come out good or bad. Who knows what it's going to do? But that could definitely affect the stock price, whether it be in a good way or in a bad way. So definitely stick with that, guys. And we'll keep an eye out on NBS. And with that being said, LAZR, that's been a big mover recently, and some other moves, some other names like Alster. Um, there's the Ava, Avia, I think. Yep, Ava. There's VLDR, Velodyne. There, there's a lot of LiDAR companies out there. So it, it's a big growing industry, but lots of competition coming. So it's going to be all about who's got the patents and who's got the deals. So it and looks, like Power, Hour, it looks like Power Hour is ready to go. All right, let's get this rolling. Let's get this rolling. We'll see you guys on Power Hour next.